Welcome to the Sower's Almanac, Planting Ransom City Church. Um, we're glad that you're joining us uh, today. Um, yeah, this is our podcast, uh, really, where we're chronicling you know, what it's like as we plant Ransom City Church in Evanston, Illinois. Um, this is our first one, and so we're glad that you're checking us out if you are. Um, wanted to encourage you, you can find out more about our church at ransomcitychurch.org. We've got past sermons, we've got you know a little bit about who we are, our statement of faith, all kinds of information on there. So if you want to know more about um, who we are as a church, um, go to ransomcitychurch.org. Um, also feel free if you go there to um, ask us some questions. There's a way to get in touch with us. If you go to our site and go to connect, um, you can send us a message and we'd like in future podcasts to be able to answer any questions that people might have. And so feel free to check in and say, hey, um, and shoot us a question. We would love to give it a shot answering any of your questions. Um, yeah, also to give you some context of you know, a little bit more about why we're doing this, um, we really just wanted this to be a source of encouragement, um, of help, uh, basically however we can possibly encourage, uh, whether it's current other church planters, current other pastors, future church planters, just other Christians in general, um, really trying to be faithful to the Great Commission to make disciples. Uh, we, we just want to be an encouragement. This podcast is, we, we really want this podcast to be a practical one. Um, not that we won't talk about theological matters or, or biblical studies. We certainly will. Um, but we feel like there's a lot of things that focus on that aspect of what it is to, to be a pastor, to be a church planter. There's a lot of things that are very academic. And so we really want this podcast to be uh, more pragmatic, more hands-on. There's, there's not a lot of information out there about that. So really, we want to be in the trenches with you guys. We want to invite you guys in on you know, some of the things that we've been experiencing, th- some of the things that we've learned the hard way, some things that we've kind of figured out works. Um, just giving really practical uh, info about where things are at and what we've learned. Um, and, I mean, kind of lets you guys experience this with us in real time. So that's that's really kind of the driving force of this podcast. We hope it's encouraging to any of you guys to, to give it a listen. Uh, but yeah, we want it to be very practical, very hands-on. Um, as well, to give you some context about our church, because um, this is our first podcast. Well, first of all, we had some audio issues, so we had some things that got cut out. Uh, but I think the bulk of everything got saved. Uh, but if there's anything we didn't cover that we act like we did, we will address it in uh, future podcasts. Uh, but one of the parts that did get cut out, unfortunately, was kind of giving some context about our church. So I wanted to do that. We're a little over a year into our plant. Uh, we, we planted Ransom City Church last February. Uh, it is now uh, just the beginning of May. Uh, so a little over a year was when we uh, came here and, and started really the, the big driving efforts to plant Ransom City. We've got uh, somewhere between you know 30-something and 40-something. Uh, it's kind of around where we're floating right now, which we talk about in our podcast a little bit. We're not quite sure what our size is. Um, but a solid 30 or so, um, somewhere in that window, to give you the, you know, an idea of our size, we're not a big church, um, we're, we're an infant baby church, we're just a year old, still figuring out how to walk and talk and all that stuff, um, but God's been very gracious, so we've seen some really cool things happen, um, but we're not, you know, established and have been here for a long time, we're, we're barely a year old, um, and still figuring out a lot of the very practical things, the very messy things they have to figure out in the beginning of the stages. So we want this to be a, a help and encouragement for anybody early on. Or, uh, I mean, one of the big things that, that we want to be an encouragement in 
is because we're experiencing this all right now. It's very fresh. Uh, sometimes, you know, other people, when they talk about church planting, they're talking about it as something that was very past tense for them because it was. It was several years back or however many years ago. Um, for us, this is happening. This is all happening today. And so we hope this is helpful for that reason. But yeah, we're, we're only a year old. Um, we haven't been up and running for very long. But uh, yeah, we're really glad that you're tuning in and uh, joining us for episode one of The Sower's Almanac. And I uh, hope you enjoy. Have a good one. We'll start with introductions. We'll let everybody know who we are. Um, so I am, my name is Seth Williams. I am a pastor of Ransom City Church. The lead guy. Yeah, I am lead pastor, if you will, if that suits your fancy, preaching pastor, whatever terminology you want to call it, um, but of, of Ransom City Church, which is a church plant in Evanston, Illinois, which is, <coughs> we joke and call it Chicago's hat. Um, it's the first uh, suburb, it's really more like a city, but just north of Chicago. Um, and yeah, we're part of uh, the X29 Church Planting Network. Uh, we're Southern Baptist Church Plants as well. Um, but yeah, that's who I am. And Greg, if you want to intro yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Greg. I'm an elder candidate at Ransom City Church. I'm the worship director, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Cool. Um I'm Chris. Uh, I also work with the church. I'm also an elder candidate. Uh, Greg and I will soon be installed as elders and uh, work part-time for the church and part-time with Apple, as does Greg. And um, I guess kind of from here, we can tell kind of our story as to how the church kind of came about. Um, We, all three of us, were friends in high school or knew each other in high school. And, uh, that's kind of where we met each other, but our story as a church, or at least us becoming Christians began when I was in college, I came to faith through uh, campus ministry. And, uh, uh, soon after, uh, worked, uh, at the pool with Seth one summer and back at our hometown, when I came home from school, I, I went to the university of Iowa and uh, I came home one summer, we were working at the pool together, and I was this newly uh, believing Christian, I was really excited to share my faith and disciple people, and I figured that Seth probably already was a Christian, because he said he was, but he wasn't, and we, uh, over the course of that summer, I kind of started to realize that he wasn't, and kind of yelled at him, <laughs> and uh, told him to get his act together, which was a really great gospel presentation. I was going to say, and I heard, uh, Jesus loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. Sure. Yeah. Um, And so through that kind of conversation at at work of me saying, you know, you say you're a Christian, you don't act like one, what's up with that? Um, Seth heard Jesus died for your sins and loves you, and the gospel kind of came together for the first time, and he came to faith. And then he filled in the gaps. Yes, yes, I did. We went through Afterwards, went and bought Seth a Bible and uh, walked through, you know, the plan of salvation and and that d- Jesus did die for his sins and had a and, deep grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, after the fact, told him what happened to him. And, uh, <laughs> and we started in James and Seth kind of tore up the Bible from there. And we both were, um, uh, just very excited about our new relationships with God. And, uh, from there it kind of exploded into this spontaneous Bible study 
none of us had really planned on that happening. Um, but Seth was in a quote unquote Christian band where none of the members were Christians. Mm. Um, Seth, do you want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was the, the rhythm guitarist and one of the songwriters and uh, one of the vocalists in a Christian metal band called Dust to Ashes. Um, in it's as high cool school, as it sounds. As it is as cool as it sounds. Um, in high school and then into uh, college time. And it's, yeah, so I came to faith when I was 19. Um, that's when Chris yelled at me at the pool, and then I came to faith in Jesus. Um, but it was pretty immediately after that I realized, um, well, uh, it might be a problem that I'm in a Christian metal band, and I think I'm either the only Christian, or if there are other Christians in our band, they are not really walking with the Lord proactively, nor do they know anything about the Bible, mm-hmm. anything about the gospel. Um, and we, at that point, had told people after all of our shows, you know, we're playing shows around Chicago and Milwaukee and some other places, and we told people after the shows, you know, hey, if you want to know more about our faith, we'd love to talk to you. And it occurred to me after I came to faith that that's horrifying if anybody actually were com- to come up to us and take us up on that <laughs> offer, because we didn't know anything about anything. Uh, like I said, a lot of us weren't even believers. And so we started this Bible study really from that. I, I had said to Chris, like, it'd probably be good to have something uh, regular where we can get together and study well, the Bible and it, learn. <laughs> it was great because as a new Christian, I was really missional and really wanted to share my faith with people and was looking for every opportunity to do it. And Seth was like, hey, Chris, is it okay if the guys in the band come over and you tell them what you told me? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just like, God's just lofting up a nice, easy ball that I can just crank over the fence. And so that's what it was. I mean... They were excited. They came over to my house. We sat in my basement. I remember the first time we met and uh, just stayed up for hours and hours talking about every analogy um, to the gospel and every scripture I could think of. And that's kind of where it began. And it kind of was a snowball that tumbled out of control of just lots of different people heard about it. Mm -hmm. And other people were like, can I come to that? And we just kept being surprised that all these people in our really small hometown of Genoa, Illinois. There's like four or 5,000 people there. Um, and people just kept hearing about it and saying, you guys study the Bible? And we were like, yeah. And they said, and you know what it says? And we're like, yeah. And they said, can we come to that? And we said, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Seth, how many people do you think came to faith that summer? I don't know. It was a good chunk. I know attendance wise we hit like 20 something people mm-hmm. on average for a good chunk of time which was mm-hmm. we never we didn't plan on any of that like all glory to god um but a good number came to faith including greg who we'll get to in a second um mm-hmm. but yeah it ended up being honestly a good chunk of our church a good chunk of our core team that came here to evanston to plant ransom city mm-hmm. uh was from that bible study in some in one way or another somehow connected um, yeah. either they came to faith through the bible study or you know we're connected with one of us who did um, mm-hmm. so yeah pretty cool yeah now do you want to share kind of your story of leading greg to christ you, I was going to say, Greg, Greg can take over from here and tell you a little bit of your story, and then we'll circle. We'll circle back. Yeah. We'll, we'll do yeah, we'll circle sure. back to how um, this ties into church planting. Sure. So it was 2008, I guess. Um, I was going to be turning 20 that year, and God kind of stripped me of all my idols. Um, and was revealing to me that 
I didn't really have anything going for me like I had previously thought. Um, that I wasn't really about anything, but kind of about what I wouldn't do. Like I, I said, I was like straight edge and I, I didn't drink or smoke or anything. And after a while, I'm kind of like, what? So what do I do? And I liked music, but it kind of was becoming clear that that wasn't like enough to define myself. So was kind of going through this crisis of being right on the cusp of my 20th birthday and having nothing to show for it, no no direction in my life. And um, Seth, I knew you since third grade, and mm-hmm. you always professed Christianity, um, and we would kind of compete in terms of our moralism um, and depravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> sometimes we were good friends and sometimes we were kind of fighting and feuding. Frenemies. Um, yeah. A lot yeah, of frenemies. Definitely. It was, a, it was kind of a one-up, like, <laughs> yep. very ri- rivalry thing. Um but I heard through a mutual friend that was visiting, actually, that he had just talked to you and you were like this crazy on fire Christian now all of a sudden. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? Like, Seth's always said he was a Christian. Um, Who and, was that, by uh, the way? It was uh, Nick Atkinson. Oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, he like wants to become a pastor or something, and he has a Bible study. And I'm like, this is weird. What a weirdo. Seth always <laughs> talked about this, but he's never gone that far. Like, what happened to him? But I kind of knew. I'm like, that might be something. Like, God was kind of making me more and more receptive to like Christian music and things like that. So I'm like, that's interesting and might be something I need to hear. So I, uh, and we weren't even really talking at at that point, but I just called you and I'm like, hey, like, so you're a Christian now. Like, what does that mean? What was Mm -hmm. all that before? Um, And you clearly laid out for me the gospel, um, the substitutionary atonement, and that's what really made sense to me. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is this is what I can, you know, find identity in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, yeah, I want to be a pastor. And I remember saying, like, cool. Like, I'll I'll be with you. Just tell me like what to do and when you need me, and like I'll move there and get a job at KFC. I don't care. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it work. Um, and it took a few years and and a few steps and a few states to live in, but we made that happen. Or mm-hmm. God made that happen. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. as if you were like orchestrated, orchestrated by some way. sort of divine being. Yeah, well, it's a the same thing it. for for your story. If you want to tell a little bit of how you ended up a part of the plant, and then we'll we'll I'll come back to how we ended up you know planting together, where that came from. But you want to tell like because you weren't planning to initially, Chris, being a part of the church plant. Yeah, remember you were wanting to do overseas missions. Well, yeah, but but that was just like a stopgap to until being a part of the church oh, really? plant. Yeah, I, I always planned being a part of the church plant. 
I remember I told you. I guess I did not. Well, there you go. Now you know. America, you're finding out at the exact same time. (laughs) America, the Um, country. Yes, everyone's listening to this. Standing by. (laughs) It's a really successful first podcast. We know that during the recording phase, which is good. They all tuned in. Um, No, yeah, I uh, became a Christian at Iowa, University of Iowa, through Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, that was, you know, where I came to faith. And then over the summers, I would go home and visit, you know, Seth and see how the Bible study was doing. That was kind of what happened was, so I led Seth to Christ, and then we both led a bunch of people to Christ that summer. And as I left, because I had to go back to Iowa in the fall, I would say, you know, I was like, okay, you know, we've got all these baby Christians but Seth was the oldest of the group, and uh, the oldest toddler. The old, yeah, the oldest toddler, and so um, I, you know, left him in charge and told them he's in charge now, and kind of checked in over Lord of the flies. Yeah, I was spiritual Lord of the flies yeah. a little bit, and uh, but yeah, so I would check in over the phone and call Seth often and text him and see how he was doing, and you know, give him books and podcasts to read, and he just grew really quickly and the Bible study thrived, you know? Um, but anyway, so that was kind of how that started. But as far as my involvement in that, when that became a church plant idea, uh, my involvement in that was I told Seth, you know, uh, when he first became a Christian, he did want to be a pastor right away. Um, like within a week or so of becoming a Christian, he was like, I think I need to be a pastor. And I was like, okay. And I remember saying, when you do that, let me know and I'll come join you. Mm. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Much. And, uh, so that was kind of in my head, like, if he ever does that, I guess I'm going to go do that. And I finished out my degree at the university of Iowa. And then I joined staff with crew, worked for them for a few years. And, uh, Seth is a year younger than me. So when he, what, by the time of my second year internship with crew, Seth was finishing an internship with his church, Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, under Joe Thorne and uh, he was finishing that up and getting ready to church plant and he said do you want to move out back out towards Chicago and help me plant this church and so I said yes Um, but in the meantime I had gotten married and my wife and I had a heart for missions overseas especially in France because we had both been there uh, to do uh, evangelistic missions work and so we were kind of debating if we would do that as like maybe six months or a year overseas before we joined the church plant. And uh, it all kind of just fell through um, the group we were going to go over there with. We were really excited about, and we read everything about them on paper and on their website. And then we went to visit them and they were weird as all get out. (laughs) And so we decided not to go with them. Yeah, it was super weird. I won't share the name of the group, but uh, it was super weird. And so which which group is this? You were considering church planting through I'm, I'm not going to share the. <laughs> I won't share the name of the group it's like because it's because it's maybe not nice. Oh, but, I, but they no, were super. No, weird. I'm not asking about the name. I don't oh, know anything. About but yeah, it was it was just a group that like did missions work overseas. Especially they they had said they were interested in sending people to France, and France so you're like, oh man, this is great. And then we went and met them oh, and so, theologically so and and in sending you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and so theologically and even just you know. Uh, socially socially yeah <laughs> very very strange people who made us very uncomfortable and so we decided man i guess we're not going to do that and it just kind of turned out that we just moved straight over timing and was right yep timing was right that we just started with the church plant at the very beginning rather than later so. yeah and so here I'll, I'll share a little bit so here's how we ended up planting ransom city church so 
Um, I came to faith after Chris shared the gospel with me. Um, came to faith at 19 and pretty immediately felt called to plant a church. I didn't even know what church, I didn't know church planting was the term mm-hmm. yet. Um, yeah. I just knew I needed to start a church yeah. and be a pastor of said church. Which we kind of did by accident. We kind of did it by accident with the Bible study initially. So it was kind of, you needed to do that. I felt called to do that on a larger scale um, somewhere in Chicagoland. But the details are very hazy at that point. I just knew I needed to start a church. And that God was calling me to be a pastor somewhere in the Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that happened pretty immediately, pretty much in conjunction with my coming to faith, um, which is an interesting part of the story. And so for the next few years, led, you know, the, the Bible study, uh, finished up my bachelor's degree and uh, drug my feet the whole time doing that, um, but finished that up and then did a formal in- church planting internship at Redeemer Fellowship. So I took the uh, express lane into church planting. I did not go to seminary. Um, So Mm -hmm. we can talk about that at some point during the podcast as well. But um, yeah, I took the express lane and and went the quick route and um, got trained. Besides the internship, spent a few years at Redeemer and was getting trained under Joe. And so that Mm -hmm. was great. Um, And during the internship, that's where, because there's a lot of, when when I talk to other planters or people who are considering planting, people will ask, like, how do you figure out? where you're going to go. Um, and the honest answer is it's the messiest stinking thing you can possibly imagine. So during the internship, it was probably the better part of a year. Um, cause the, the internship was a year long. It was at least six, seven months that I was scrambling, trying to figure out where God was. Cause I knew somewhere in Chicago land, but I didn't know where God was calling me to go. I remember you saying that like you were really burnt out oh. and that that was one of the hardest decisions it still like is you yeah ever, you had made yeah up until that point that was so hard um and it's still i remember it and cringe because there's not an easy way to do there's no shortcut no for that like i i would like to be able to tell somebody that there is but there isn't well it's kind of like, like having an arranged marriage <laughs> but there's no one arranging it you're like you know what I mean? Like, you kind of have to say, like, I'm going to choose to marry this city, but know nothing about it. Yeah, it's in a scary. sense, like, So, you know, spent the better part of the year, you know, seven months or so, trying to figure out where, and a good part of that was traveling around to different cities in Chicagoland and trying to figure out, is this the place? No. Is this the place? No. Um, and ironically, Evanston was the first city that was suggested to me, and I crossed it off the list very quickly for very dumb reasons. I'll share a few of them. Um, well, I was told, you know, that it was basically just Chicago, um, which, you know, it, it functions in some parts of the yes city, like no. a neighborhood of Chicago, but it's not just Chicago, it's its own community. And I'm just horrified of Chicago. Like, it's just scary and intimidating, <laughs> um, cause I grew up in a small town. And so I heard that and was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and in a very Jonah moment ran completely the other direction and spent a good chunk of the time when we were trying to figure out where God was calling us to go, looking at pretty much every other city, mm-hmm. every other suburb in Chicagoland, and realizing one by one that none of them were going to work. Um, and it was so frustrating, and really, honestly, the only way I got through it was just praying and praying and praying and praying really hard and trying to seek the Lord in you know, figuring out, you know, where are we going? Where do you want us to go? And... The, the last city we visited was Evanston. So after this long, long process, Chris went with me on the initial trip. Yep. We drove out here, and uh, I remember specifically we like got here parked, and uh, I looked at Chris and was like, this is it. And we hadn't even done anything yet. We haven't talked to anybody. Yep. 
we hadn't and I, and you even were like why like what how do you know that i'm like i, I well i remember i was like <laughs> i agree with you i agree with you based on nothing but do you have a reason do you have a reason why you no, want to do and, this and i just, i said the same thing i was like no i really i don't know but i well, some how i know this is it and i know part of it too is that you had visited places that just didn't have any people about Oh, that was like, the whole thing. That, there was yeah, just a lot of cities. Like Elgin, Elgin was one of them. Yeah, time, which there's a huge need there. There is so someone else really should plant there. Needs to plant. Go there. there, church planter of the future. Yeah, yeah. We, someone we needs to plant But a um, way to navigate. But yeah, for us, God just made it clear that we couldn't find anybody. There wasn't anyone yeah. to meet or talk to. Um, but the second we got to Evanston, we had met people. We had, we saw a bunch of people walking around. We talked to people. I mean, people were just. God had opened a door there. God had opened a door everywhere for the gospel. And we had one specific, so right when we stepped foot in the city, we were like, this is it. And we both felt the same way and kind of processed it together. And, you know, what's interesting is like at the time we didn't have like a whole lot of reasons. Um, We just felt like that was it. Um, Just, I feel like God was graciously giving us kind of in view into it. Should we share a little bit about like, is that okay? That that's all it was? Like, do you kind of have any, like, because there might be a church planner listening to this right now that says, like, is that okay if I don't have a great answer? But yeah, like, to, so how, how it worked for us was we didn't have, like, a laundry list of reasons why we felt like it was evidence in the beginning. And then as we, like, sought the Lord in the, okay, for some reason it feels like this is it, prayed about it a lot, spent more time in the city, spent more time meeting people, we steadily added more and more answers as to why yep and now like if people because then i get this all the time people will ask me like why evanston and i'm literally like do you have four hours right like it now it's there's a a billion reasons why evanston um, which we can get in we'll get into those kinds of things uh probably some other time in the podcast but um yeah that's how it was for us at least in the beginning i i would say i don't think we're the only ones that have experienced that no like it does every other planter i've talked to there doesn't seem to be like a silver bullet no, for figuring out where. No, and I mean, like, I mean, it's funny that you relate yourself to Jonah because I think there's a lot of similarities of like, it may have been clear, it may not have been, but God made it clear, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that might be the story for some people is that like it's not obvious where to church plant until it becomes obvious of where to church plant. You well, know what well, I mean? It's just, it's the, a hard I, situation. I agree. Well, and the other thing, and I think this happens a lot, um, and I'll say this, people who do it mean well, so I'm not, I'm not going after anybody for this, but I, I think there's a lot of people will say things as far as like, these are the things you're looking for in a city you're looking to plant in um, that sound great, but might not be universally true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like those, those kinds of things, I, there was a lot of people that told me like, you gotta love that city. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of that language, and um, there are some people who do. Sure, and, and that's and, I think and, how it happens. And I enjoy Evanston a lot. Yeah, we have a, but we do have a love hate relationship we, with Evanston. We sometimes, have a love hate relationship. You know? and with so Evanston. we'll talk about that too. But yeah, but I think some of the language that got us scared and confused at the yeah. beginning was people saying like, "You just gotta be like in love with this city. You just gotta love it. You gotta love everything about it. You gotta know it." And I think we were just afraid, like, well, what if we don't perfectly love this city? What if there are things about it that are kind of a pain? What if there are things about it we don't care for? Can we still be church planters here? Mm -hmm. Um, Right? I mean, like, that's... Jonah, yeah. Exactly. And there's a lot of of stories in the Bible of people who 
don't care for the people they're serving. Well, I know that Jamie, I'll, I'll say what Jamie told me. Um, Jamie Page, who's pastor of uh, the church in DeKalb, another Acts 29 church plant, he was the planter before us, so he's very much our spiritual older brother. The, the planter before us, who was sent out from, from Redeemer, Redeemer Fellowship in uh, St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Right, so kind of our first, brother church. church. But he had told me, it was a really good conversation, at one point, because we're talking about frustrations and challenges that we've been dealing with, and he at one point said to me something to the tune of, you know, I didn't plant DeKalb because it's sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like an awesome city. That's not right. We'd be in Honolulu. Right. Exactly. Like, and he was just saying like, I came here because this is the, the harvest is plentiful. This is Mm -hmm. where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and that's how we feel too. Um, so if that's helpful for anybody, I I hope it is. Some of those statistics, even on Evanston, do you want to share like, what is it like? There's 75,000 people here. Yeah. It's like a couple churches that are preaching the gospel. Yeah, it's a handful of generous. Thousand people in just under eight square miles. It's, or something. Yeah, it's seventy nine thousand straight population. So that's just like citizens in Evanston. You add in another, I think it's fifteen thousand are students. Yep. That I don't think are counted in the original seventy nine. Yeah, I'm 000. not sure on that, but yeah. Then like another five k commuters. Yeah, during the day, during any time Monday to Friday, yep. during the day you have another like three thousand or five thousand people. So it's like close to a hundred thousand people. Yep, in like seven or eight square miles. Yeah, so it's all over a thousand people per square mile. And profoundly theologically liberal. Yeah. Um, th- there's just a huge need for more gospel laborers i mean that was the mm-hmm. biggest thing that that's still the biggest answer that i give right you know they we're not the only healthy church in town no no um, not at all no. but in that big of a city we start running out of names very quickly mm-hmm. you know we can we can count on one hand um how many are like super solid yep. you know, theologically sound about the you know, gospel centered missional inerrancy of scripture right yeah right you know all those things that are way a big deal and um and that's been a really neat posture to have since we've gotten here that we're not the new sexy church. We don't have it all figured out. We don't, uh, we're not here to like replace anything, you know, right. we're just here because there's so much work to do. And I think because that's the attitude we've come in with and because there truly is so much work to do that the other churches in town, there's been no sense of, uh, like turf war. Like, there's no, like, all the other churches that are solid gospel-centered churches, like, you would expect they might be, like, a little cold towards us or a little questioning of, like, why did you need to come here? But they've all just been, like, I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad that there's another gospel-centered church in Evanston. There's so much work to do. Thank you for your help. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've all really been really partnering with us, and that's been really neat to see. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And kind of confirming just how much need there is in this city. I was going to say, too, um, just to clarify, uh, my comments on counting on one hand how many solid churches, that's of what I've met so far. There might be some other solid ones I haven't met, but sure, still not that many. <laughs> still, yeah, what we were no, saying is many. still true. Not many. Uh, not but I definitely don't want... If there are other pastors in Evanston who are pastors of solid churches, we would love to connect. So yes. I don't want to give that sense yeah, at all. Not, not enough for the city and the work that... For sure. Exactly. Here. I mean, this... Place I, I don't know a whole lot about the history of it, but it was known as the City of Churches, mm-hmm. Heavenston. Um, yep. It was founded by Christians, as was Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Methodist yeah, Methodist. it was yeah. the same group of Methodists that founded yeah, both, yeah. one after the other. I yep. think it was Northwestern and then Evanston. 
like mm. just boom mm. boom which is really interesting yep yeah, so a lot of them evangelical when i was founded right well even like a lot of the streets are like church street yeah, wesley, wesley asbury judson. um judson yeah and so like a lot of the streets even carry like christian like names mm-hmm. um but the city is profoundly non-christian yeah um it used to be known as yeah just the city of churches um which we can get into at another time that people in our city are mad about. Um, but, but yeah, it is so not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are gospel-centered churches here, and we love them, and we partner with them. There aren't but enough. like Greg said, yeah, there's just not enough. Or I, there are a lot of, of quote-unquote churches. In sure. The, the building or the institution or the idea that... Is the, the cultural church. idea that, that people would associate with a church mm-hmm. but culture has seemed to say well we want to keep that we like that there are a lot of churches here and now we want the churches to say something different yep um that's more what we're all about now more palatable and that's kind of what we're not going to call anybody to repent unitarian universalist yeah um, right even the quaker church <laughs> yeah doesn't really. represent its quaker roots and i very, very far Far from scripture. Uh, yeah, I would. That's kind of. I don't know the exact number, but if picture. I had to take a shot in the dark, probably at least eighty percent of the churches here are that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very high percentage that are right. One of the not healthy at all. One of the things that we did when we first came here is just visited other churches just to see what are they saying. You know, right. are they people we can partner with? Are they people you know that we would not want to partner with? Just to figure out what is you know what is everyone saying at church on Sunday. Um, and just the predominant message that we heard at a lot of the churches we visited was, um, everything is true. Everyone's going to heaven or not, whatever you want, whatever you think. Um, and, or, uh, just the, the, you know, gay marriage is good and should be accepted. Um, I think one of the churches we went to, it was, uh, equality in marriage part three. Um, I think it was like, yeah, out of six or something. Um, and one of the services we went to the bible was only brought up to be mocked um and so it was heartbreaking just to see you know hundreds of people gathered around uh nothing i mean just whatever they wanted it to be um and just to see that that's the state of the church in this city and again that's not every city we have gone to churches that are fantastic and have good gospel-centered messages that they're preaching but there were Many churches that we visited on Sunday were a nightmare. Were a nightmare, yeah. And so, um, but yeah, never. I never want to be caught saying that there's no good churches in Evanston. There, oh, are, there are definitely yeah, good ones. Good um, yeah, that we partner with. That you know, they've helped us. They lend us equipment. They've opened their spaces to us. They've worked with us. So great, great churches in Evanston. But but there's a profound need here yeah. as well. And that showed shows up in their partnership, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we've been in Evanston, so we moved here February 1st of last year, so we've been here just a little over a year, a year and some change, <clears throat> Yep. Um, and we launched services last Easter, so this past Sunday was Easter Sunday, so we're just crossed the year mark as well for launching our, our worship services, um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about like kind of our, you know, what it was like starting in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not not an easy thing uh, at all. Uh, so I think one of the biggest things, it just getting here on the ground, like you move here, and for one, it takes a long time to just settle in. Like yeah, it's, it's jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because you don't know anybody. Like for our and different people's stories are different. Um, I you know have a lot of other pastor friends that or church planner friends that planted in like their hometown. That's just going to be a different experience for us. Mm-hmm. We don't have any connections mm-hmm. really in this city. We have. I mean, you've got some family here, Greg, um, by marriage. Yeah. You've yep. got like a guy you knew, but he doesn't come to our church. Come to our church. Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, so, there's yeah, not really any connections. No, here. like yeah. as far as like connections to people that we know, we just don't have them here. Um, and so moving here was a huge challenge because it was not only, and these are the kinds of pragmatic yeah. things you don't think about, but like, you know, pretty much all of our team had to find jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And our, our jobs. How to find so jobs, how to really find places. Our, our biggest connections. And we have made a connection with. Um, like EDC, Evanston Baptist yeah. Church, um, yeah. before we moved For here, sure. which was good and very helpful mm-hmm. um, to, yeah. to move in and, and have that right out at the gate. Um, yeah, that was awesome. But it was a lot of not only meeting people missionally, but just meeting other like-minded Christians in the mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. Even just learning where the grocery store is. Things like that. Yeah. I mean, it just I mean, anyone who's ever moved to a new city knows it's just a little hard i mean it's just it, a learning phase it takes a lot of time to and so in. the hard thing was we weren't just learning you know where the grocery store is we're also at the same time trying to learn what is the spiritual temperament of the city what are we people, connect with these yeah people. and so mm-hmm. it's just a huge huge learning curve trying to um, start new jobs and yep our wives yeah. trying to start new jobs and mm-hmm. yeah look for jobs some people were still looking when we moved here mm-hmm mm-hmm Definitely a lot of balls in the air. Yep. Yeah, that was a huge challenge. And the other fact, if you didn't put two and two together, so we moved here February 1st. So it was the dead of winter. And we moved on the coldest day of the year in 2013. Yeah, yeah, it was it, a nightmare. Was Don't do that, guys. Yeah, this that is... I may have ever experienced. We're going to talk about challenges that we experienced in the beginning, but one of the big things was, like, I would not suggest anybody tries to launch a church plant in the dead of winter. Probably no. not. Probably not a good time. as well. Specifically, if you, you're going to plant somewhere in Chicagoland, our winters are terrible. Yeah, and I mean, so if you're that, in the south, I guess it doesn't matter, but... Right, here... Ugh. So and in hindsight... When we say winter, we mean any time from, like, September 1st to, <laughs> yeah. to April, April from now. 31st. Yeah. Like that's winter. Yeah. It's so long. So you got to find that sweet spot that oh, that week and a half yeah. in Chicago yeah. when the weather's good. Yeah. So that, I mean, that had a huge impact because even when we did get settled in, it was, you have, for, first of all, you have the shock. It's almost like jumping into a very cold pool. Mm-hmm. You have the shock of like, yeah, like, we're trying to start this thing from the beginning. Like, there is there is no momentum right now. Yep. Like, there's just none. Yep. Um, so it's just trying to get the the, the whole thing rolling. Well, I, well, you know what? I just forgot about this. Before we go there, part of one of the big things that drew us here was uh, a guy that we were discipling. Mm-hmm. Um, we had met a guy. Which, uh, along with that, Seth and I and Greg came sometimes, but we would drive out every week, twice a week for like six months before we right. moved out here. So we had visited the city quite a bit trying to meet people and kind of yeah learn a little bit more about the city before our whole team moved out here so it wouldn't just be from scratch which i would recommend if you live close enough to the city you're going to be planting in go out as often as you can if it's every day if it's once or twice a week whatever you can do if you can move there before you launch anything yeah just become a person who lives there and gets to know people that's as early as you can yeah do that like don't 
you know, there's no reason to delay that um, yeah. if you can pull it off. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we had been doing that. And, and it was like the first time we had come back to actually meet people mm-hmm. was when we met this guy. We met him at, uh, there's a Barnes & Noble in downtown Evanston. So we met him and we struck up a conversation and had a very, like, obvious opportunity to tell him about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we did. We shared the gospel with him. And this is, by the way, this is very not normal. Like just the whole experience was very atypical. Like you usually don't get that open of an opportunity. The first conversation with somebody, but God is very gracious. And so they were given an opportunity and we told him about Jesus and he responded, um, you know, with joy, which is great. Like it was very much excited about it when we first talked to him, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. Uh, so we started discipling him because it was like, oh, you know, we even asked him, do you want to meet up regularly? And he was like, yeah. So we, how mm-hmm. long do we meet up with him? Months. Yeah. Months. Yeah. So we'd been meeting him for, with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's no longer with us. I mean, that's part of our story too. Yeah. That was devastating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God used it to Oh, and, and, and no longer with us, not in the sense that he died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should probably clarify yeah, that. But he's that still he, alive. Yeah. But then and we he, love the guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we, we care about him and yeah, hope he wish him well. comes back, but um, did not care for some of the teachings of the Bible um, that he didn't discover, I guess, or didn't realize were so rigid in the Bible until later and just bailed. And yeah. So so that's kind of a part of our story as well, um, in a way that's kind of unexpected, because God used it to draw us here. Mm-hmm. And then kind of through that experience, we saw, you know, that wasn't an isolated incident. That's kind of how a lot of people a lot of what they're walking in in this area. So it was good for us. Um, yeah. So yeah, we were discipling him before we moved here, moved here, but then very much even with that, you're starting from scratch in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And that was just a huge challenge in the middle of winter. Like one of the things is like, how do you meet people when it's so cold? <laughs> like it's yeah. just a huge challenge. So we're trying to meet people in coffee shops and things like that, but it, it was a rough go for a good chunk of time. Um, yeah, so those are, what are some other, like, challenges we ran into in the beginning? I'm just trying to think of, like, the early stages. I think just, uh, well, the idea that we thought we would be a Bible study mm. until we grew mm-hmm. to be 30, 40, 50 people meeting in several Bible studies, and we had this kind of grand vision of, it's going to start, you know, as the six or seven of us that moved out here, and... It's just going to grow into this thing that's way too big for a living room. And then it's going to, you know, we're going to be two or three Bible studies and then we're going to launch services. And, you know, uh, it just didn't turn out that way. It just didn't work that way at all. No. And this was after, you know, we spent a huge chunk of my internship taking visits out here. That's when we met Mm -hmm. the guy that we were talking about. Um, And the whole time we're trying to meet people, uh, connect with them, invite them to check check us out, Mm -hmm. um, join us for the Bible study. Yep. Um, and then when we moved here, we were doing the same thing. And it was, so it was a huge chunk of time, pretty better part of a year. Size. Yeah, yeah, close to a year of inviting people to something they just never came to. Like yep. they just, and not only didn't come to, we would describe it and you could see them check out. Like right. visually, you could see them go, I'm not coming to your living room. Yeah. That is not going to happen. And, and part of it, we'll, we'll get into this. This will probably be a recurring theme in our podcast, but really just knowing your city, knowing your context. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evanston is profoundly like Catholic. So it's 
there's a very big Catholic influence um, and ha- kind of high church, like very traditional church. So even if it's not Catholic, you have like traditional Protestant mainline denominations as well. And so people's perception of church is very formal. Like, mm-hmm. so the idea of come to right. my living room didn't really catch. And even just how businessy that as well. Evanston yeah. is. Uh, very career driven. Right. And just that everyone puts on their best face. And everyone wants things to be polished and buttoned up right. and well done. So come to my living room, right? On and, s- and so we'd we'd meet these people, you know, in coffee shops and parks and all this stuff, and we'd start telling them a little bit about why we moved here. And you could see they were a little bit open and like, oh, interesting, cool. And they might even say like, where you know, where do you guys meet? I might check that out sometime. And you'd say my living room, and they'd go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd say bye. Yeah, and it then sounds like you're away. doing bloodlettings, and uh, I'm not going to be there. I'll tell you that. Like, yeah, you could just see that it wasn't. And so, happen. yeah, so like, uh, just it, it just we we came with that idea that that was going to be the way we were going to do church, you know, and, until we hit a bigger number, and then we would change the way we did church to being services, and. We, I'm glad we came with closed-handed theology, but open-handed methodology. Yes. Um, because if our hand was open with our theology, but closed with our methodology, we'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were very glad that we were open to what God was kind of showing us was working and not working. And again, that might work in your city. You know, if you're listening to this and you're a church planter who's thinking about going to, you know, your hometown or some other city or some other country, and you're thinking, we want to start as like a house church or a Bible study or something like that and see how it grows. Yeah, it totally might. Right. We have right. no There's idea. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's and, and even case might, by case. You know, it even might be that God calls a different church planter to Evanston and God says, this is how I'm going to work sure. in that guy's ministry. And for they might make it work in Evanston, but it just didn't work for us. And, right. and we kind of saw the leading that God was giving us and, and decided to launch services with a dozen people, mm-hmm. which is not the way most people do church. Yeah. So I want to take some time here at the end to talk about, you know, this is kind of where we're at now. Um, and so I want to talk about, we'll probably do this at the end of each time, but things that we're celebrating um, as well as things that are kind of challenges that we're praying through and trying to work through. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with the good news. Well, what, what do we have to celebrate right now at Ransom City is, you know, we just turned one not that long ago. Um, just kind of where things are at today. What are your guys' thoughts? That we are a church. I know that sounds like small, but we are doing what we came here to do, and that's really cool um, because that's not always the case a year in for any new venture, let alone a church. And so just the fact that we exist and are a church is uh, pretty cool. I agree. Um, yeah, I think um, we've been talking a lot about kind of examining this past year and where we're at and how things are going. And I think one of the biggest things has been, you know, we've grown numerically since the beginning because when we moved here, it was a team of seven of us Mm -hmm. that moved here. And so we've grown since then consistently. Um, So we've definitely grown in number. um, But uh, I think one of the things to celebrate has been spiritual growth in the people that are involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So of the people that are really plugging into our church and, a part of things, you know, are part of our church family, 
part of our rhythms of discipleship, those people are really growing, um, growing in their faith, growing in their relationship with the Lord. And that's been really cool um, to see them grow theologically and just in experiencing the blessings of a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say that's a big thing to celebrate for us right now. Um, what are your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, um, I don't know. I hadn't, I don't think about it often enough. Um, it's easy to focus on just the negative. And that's why it's kind of like, oh, good. are we successful? Is there something yeah, to celebrate? That, yeah, kinda, right. I don't know. I it just always feel blindsided by that question. Like uh, for North American Mission Board every month, it's like, what's a story we could celebrate? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. when uh, Eastside Baptist from Arkansas, they mm-hmm. were out, um, they're one of the churches that is partnering with us. Um, one of their guys, their youth pastor, um, asked me, like, what's the biggest thing? Like, what is one thing I could point to just to celebrate? And my first answer was just the fact that anyone ever comes to anything. Yeah. And I realized when I said that that it didn't sound cool at all. It <laughs> sounded, like, really desperate and... Um, a low bar and it does sound like a really low bar but it's been to expect anyone to come to anything has surprisingly been like a high bar (laughs) to some people you want me to come to stuff yeah those people have kind of uh, fallen off get ready for that future planters Mm -hmm. I Uh, think that has been good and grace um that god has stripped some of those people away that weren't the best um fit in this season of our church plant um Mm -hmm. and god is is being very methodical obviously about who he's involving in our church at what time right that's going to affect the rest of the body and kind of our trajectory or the the one that he has for us Mm-hmm. Um, but I said that to you and how I was dissatisfied with my answer, but you, uh, Seth knew what I meant and you said that you're celebrating the fact that we're a viable option for a church <laughs> yeah, for in real. Evanston. For real. I think we really are. I think we've hit that point as a church where, you know, we are an option that people can consider, um. Yeah, I think that's that's something to be celebrated. I was going to say there's a few more things that came to mind for me. Um, I think one of the big ones is uh, we're, we've had quite a few more people plug into like serving at our church, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. So I think we've steadily grown our core, like the people who are really committed to Ransom City um, and, and committed to God's mission here in Evanston through our church. And uh, I've just seen people grow in their willingness to serve. And then also as a part of that, like we've seen some people that prior to them really plugging in and getting their hands dirty, you know, it's not that, you know, we love these people, so I don't want to send the wrong message. But prior to that happening, they were a lot quicker to be critical. Mm -hmm. And I think now the people, you know, those people are just not, you know, now that they've like really plugged in, they're in the trenches alongside of us. They're really serving, getting their hands dirty, bleeding alongside of us. And in that sense, like they're not critical at all. Like it's gone from, you know, some of that going on to, you know, now they're very much 
like a part of it and taken ownership of yeah, it. Yeah, and there's not even you know that's not even in reference to any one person. No, it's just no. That's a fact that there's a direct correlation between if you're serving in a church, you're probably not complaining, and if you're complaining in a church, you're probably not doing anything that, or serving in that church. That's been our experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's that the people with all the well, I got a thought, and you should do this, and why isn't this church like this? Probably they're not really doing anything to help further the mission because the kind of people that serve are the kind of people that hear the complaint in their head and go, oh, well, maybe I should go do that. And right. then they just get to work. Or they hear it and they go, well, since I'm working alongside these people, I know what it takes to make this thing run. And yeah. so they understand, like, it's not that simple. Right. Because they've seen how the how much it takes to keep the gears going, and they know how it would then feel if someone were right. critical with right. them, because they right. they see how hard it is. Right, and so I think that's something definitely to celebrate in our church. I think we've seen some real maturity happen in that um, department. Several which is people, awesome. yeah. I mean, we've we've had a lot of hard conversations with people along the way, um, but I think one thing to really celebrate is that we haven't wavered from the gospel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we've abided um completely and a lot of people have not come because of that and that's fine mm-hmm. um people in evanston there are a lot of people who know who we are and um, <clears throat> those people also know that we're about um about jesus and only jesus and um that what the Bible says is true. So mm-hmm. I think that's something cool that we've never, yeah. that, that we've stood firm in our, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think al- along with that, I want to celebrate that we are public enough <laughs> that people are complaining about us. <laughs> that's um, true. Like we sent out that's mailers, true. you know, to like we said, 15,000 people. And uh, someone complained because our Easter service was going to discuss the idea of Jesus's death. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I don't know what you want us to do, for one. How do you have an Easter service without discussing Jesus's death? But for two, I'm just really glad that we're at a point where there's people in our town that have heard of us mm-hmm. and are a little upset. You know, not in the yeah. sense that we're out there to upset people, but when you look at Acts, when Paul moved into a city... Or, you know, Peter moved into a city to preach the gospel. Two things happened. There there was a riot and there was a revival. Um, And I think if we're starting to see a little bit of uncomfortability with some people in our city about the fact that we're openly about Jesus and the exclusivity of the gospel, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. The the other thing I thought of that I wanted to add as well as for us things to celebrate, I think we as leaders... um, and then also just everyone else who's involved in serving, I think we've gotten just a lot better at functioning as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this past year has been really hard. There's been a lot of things that we've learned from, a lot of different challenges. Um, but I think we're better for it. I mm-hmm. think, you know, even I, I was laughing because I was prepping to preach this past Sunday for Easter. And I happened to have the thought of like, oh, what did I do last Easter? And uh, <laughs> I opened up, because last Easter was our first uh, public service. Um, so it was the first sermon that I preached at Ransom City. Um, and I looked back like at the notes for that, and they were terrible. Like, they were just horrendous, um, organizationally and everything else. And, like, I'm, God's gracious and used it, and it was fine. But, like, I know personally, um, and I don't 
just to be clear, I don't think I'm like a phenomenal preacher or anything like that. I have a lot of room to grow. Um, but I think I'm a better preacher than I was a year ago. I think our worship team is better than we were a year ago. I think just like every part of who we are as a church has improved. Um, and I think that's a huge thing to celebrate. Like we've got a year under our belt. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't mean we have everything figured out because we don't, but like we now have experienced a full year in our city and full, you know, this is what the different times of the year look like, which we'll talk about in another podcast because that's yep. another challenge is figuring out what are the rhythms of your city because it's going to be different depending on where you live. We're in a college town, so that affects things. Um, so now we've gone through a full year and we've got to see, you know, what does that look like and what does it, you know, require of us. And yep. so I think it's a big thing to celebrate. Did you guys have any other celebration thoughts? Mm. Not right now. Okay. We'll move on to challenges. What are So where we're at today, um, what are some challenges we're facing at Ransom City? Um, getting people who are outside of who's currently coming. Like we're, we're a, a small but diverse congregation mm-hmm. so far, just ethnically, um, age wise but it we don't have any families with children mm. um we've had single women leave because there are no other single women in mm-hmm. the church which there now are yeah um, yeah get ready for cool. that too but yeah we've had a lot of people leave because we don't have any ministry for them which well, isn't fair right to say. that's the hard thing is it's a revolving door because people come in and they go there's no one at this church that's exactly like me and you just want them to see like well there would be someone exactly like you if exactly you would just stay would stay um, take one for the team yeah yeah and wait it out a little bit and yep. so people are starting to catch that vision but yeah which is yeah good. like with the like uh, singles single women's ministry and stuff it's like if if all of you who left because we didn't have that and stayed, like we could totally have that thing, just like right. wait for another person and then start that with them. Right. And we Same even with... had people willing to, you know, help them with that. Yeah. Right. Same with um, families. Like families if every with children, <laughs> if yeah. every parents who brought a kid had not been weirded out that they're the only parents with a kid and stayed, we'd have families. dozen, like a dozen or so kids at this point. Yeah. Um, hanging out at our church on a Sunday, but they leave because of it. Because there are no kids, and it's like, and there never will be. <laughs> right, there never will be if you all keep doing this. Yeah. So, again, that's, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, and maybe you're not a church planter, maybe you're just interested in church planting, if you have kids, and you're a married couple, you're a little bit older and a little oh, bit further down the line, you're so find a church plant near you. Yeah, it doesn't have to be us, in. just go find yeah. a church plant and plug please in. Please just be there for a year, or six months, or something. So that when parents with kids visit, they go, okay, right. there's some other parents with kids. This isn't so weird. It's like, I'll gold, stay. Man. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's, that. I definitely agree with that. That's a big challenge for us. I think another one, uh, we were hanging out with a friend recently who asked, it was just like randomly asked this question and it like really struck me. Um, he was just like, do you, do you guys get people to hang out? Um, mm-hmm. at your church? And I was like, that's a really good question. And honestly, I think 
That's a struggle for us. Um, part of it is just like the well, nature of... Well, at our church. It's just in our city, our city, just like yeah. in general. Yeah, like, yeah. Can you get people to hang? Like for any reason. Like, it's like you want to really... get drunk. Like, no, I'm busy. I got a thing to do. It's right. Like, it's not even necessarily for good things. Which, by the way, just... not that we are getting drunk. Yeah, no, we're clearly church, not getting that. that like... You're not? no um uh but just like in the sense that like even if you were asking someone to do something very not church like that they just are not interested interested in hanging out outside of they got to get things done they got to work hard they got to study hard Um, and that's impacted our church as far as like we still are really having a hard time getting people plugged into community groups we just are yeah like we've had more more people plug in which is great but like we still have a ton of people that just aren't plugged into one yeah. And so we're trying to figure out how do, how do you navigate that? What do you do with that? You know, do you, cause you can't, you don't want to like hassle people. Uh, but at the same time we want to challenge them. They should plug in. I don't uh, we, hassle people. I know. Well, I'm about there too. <laughs> but like we talk about from the front a lot, like this, you know, we'll, we'll on Sunday morning. So we'll be gathering together for worship and we'll say something to the tune of like, this should not be your only experience of church like you, mm-hmm. you you're missing out on a lot of who we are as a church if you're only plugged into this you should get plugged into a community group. we've right. said that a bunch of times we've talked to people over coffee still a challenge like so that's yeah. just something we're still trying to figure out um yeah what's another i'm sure there are more challenges as well where do you baptize someone Oof. when you don't have a building or somewhere <laughs> to baptize someone and it's yep. perpetually winter. Yeah, it's uh, always winter in Chicago. Yep. Uh, and so we've got several people who want to join our church at an, like an official level. People who have been convicted that they're Christians but haven't been baptized as such and want to get baptized. We have several people in that boat, and we're like, "Great, we should baptize you in the what? In right the pool in the lake? Like?" And we just have been struggling to find a place that will. Let us put people underwater in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus. Yeah. It's a big challenge. Sounds weird, but big challenge. again, just one of those little weird things you don't think about when you're going to go. Yeah, when you don't have a building, yeah. what are you going to do? So we're trying to figure that out. That's one of the challenges. I was going to say another one is, um, so just attendance. I mean, we referenced mm-hmm. this a little bit earlier, but just like, it's so inconsistent. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And so we're trying to lovingly like be understanding as a church, be patient, you know, and, and not, you know, we don't want to ride people about it. We don't want to be insensitive about it. We understand that life happens and we try to be clear about all those things and gracious about them. But at the same time, get to church. Yeah. And, and especially if you're a young church, like you're, you're very small, like we are, if you're a church of, you know, 30 something and, you know, a quarter of your church is missing, right. that's huge. Versus if you're a church of 200, a quarter of your church is missing, it's not going to be as weird. Well, not, don't even think of it in quarters, like... Think of or it as, this if we're people, a church of 30 right, or 40 right. people and 10 of them aren't there, that is a quarter of our church. Right. When, if you're a church of 200 and 10 people don't show up, that's not even like not a row. A, you you in, might not notice. The service. You wouldn't even notice they right. were gone. Yeah. So, again, if there's a church plant near you, be there and be there every week. And just don't make be. them stress out about it yeah. because it's just hard. And also, yeah. don't... Call the person who's preaching that morning and say, hey man, I'm not coming. We know. We're a small church. We know when you're not there. It's yeah. fine. You don't have to call and tell us and, and make our morning weird. Yeah. At some point we'll get our wives on here to talk to, which will be a fun conversation. But Jackie was talking. Jackie is my wife, by the way. Um, 
But she pointed that out a few weeks ago. She's like, you get so many phone calls on Sunday morning of people telling you they're not going to be there. Which, in the one sense, I'll, I'll say this. I do appreciate that people like at least view us as a family and like mm-hmm. want to communicate with us when they're sure. not going to be there. That's sure. good, so I'm not complaining about sure. that. But it is really kind of funny because it's like, I will find out in about 15 <laughs> right. minutes that you're not going to be here. Right. I will, trust me, I will know. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, honestly, that sounds like, and, and I talk when I'm, so here's kind of how it works. If people come visit, then we'll follow up with them like for coffee. And I'll tell people like, one of the biggest things you can do if you're planning on stick around is just be here. Like, mm-hmm. just be consistently, like as often as I can possibly be at church, I will be at church. Yep. Because that's just been a huge challenge. We've always kind of had that struggle. So that's still somewhere. I don't think that's something that's unique to us necessarily, but... Um, no, no. Attendance has been around... Like, an attendance issue has been around since Bible times. Yeah, right. She says, don't give up meeting together. <laughs> right. It's not a new doing. problem. But, yeah. But it, you feel it, I think, when you're Early such on. a small church. Oh, for sure. You feel it. Cause like, for sure. I mean, like I said, you notice particular faces and names aren't there because it's such a small gathering. Yeah. So that's definitely a challenge. Any other ones we can think of? I think those are the main ones. But yeah, hopefully that's helpful for you, some of you guys. Um, yeah. Maybe either currently planting or in the future. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll share more of that really every time we get together just to let people know an honest kind of reality of where yeah. things are at and what we're experiencing. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, please, you know, subscribe to this podcast, share this with people who are, you know, in ministry, thinking about ministry, just are a part of churches at all, pastors, planters, theologians, seminarians, um, because, you know, we want to be encouragement to you guys, and we also want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, If you have thoughts or questions or think you, you know, things you'd like us to answer or talk about on the podcast, please let us know. Go to our website, ransomcitychurch.org, and connect with us there on the website. Let us know. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, this thing covered you know i've never i've always wondered with church planting what do i do about this ask us and we might give you the freedom of saying we don't know and you don't need to know and it's okay and we might have an answer because we've been through it right so yeah we're going to start incorporating that into we obviously didn't do it this time because it's our first one so who would ask Um, but uh, (laughs) going forward we're going to start doing q a at the end of these so if you have questions please submit them we'd love to give it a shot you know even if we don't totally know the answer Right. Um, so yeah, do we want to circle back to the uh, contact? No, you're giving me a no. We'll hang on to that till later. Um, we want to sign off. Yeah. Call it a night. I don't know how to end this thing. You know, who even knows? Should we end it like that? Should we just say who even knows how to end a podcast? We'll find out next time. <laughs> Well, if you've been listening to uh, this whole thing, we appreciate you. Um, Like we said, we want to hear from you, and uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. Have a good one.